0: Um, today We're going we're to talk about tricks Outside the Bun What? It <laughs> was actually 2002 Taco Bell introduced Think Outside the Bun as a new marketing campaign How many of you are old enough to really remember Think Outside the Bun? Raise your hands Alright, cool um, can, we, can we pray and ask God to speak to us From the 2002 Taco Bell graphic and more importantly from his word, alright? God, thank you so much for your love. God, we're not trying to run from the borders, babe. (laughs) Um, But we do ask that you would help us. God, I believe this is a a foundational thing for us as a church family. God, I pray that you'd help us to grasp what your word has to say. We love you. God, I just bless we bless uh, everyone who's in this room, God. We bless the family that's not in the room today. Just be glad that I pray, especially for Tim and Gabby. And that we pray for you to be with them. And grace, grace, grace on their family. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Raise your hands again if you remember the taco bell. Think outside the bun. All right. What were they trying to say with that advertising campaign? What was that slogan really all about? Don't go for a hamburger. That's that's pretty much it. And I just want to like you know we're just gonna have fun for just a second, and then we'll get into the meat, right? Can I just let you know that I, I could I could present to you that think outside the bun is really responsible for the Chipotle expansion. Taco Bell had some bad press, probably up 2010 or 11, but their their growth outside of this was all about like fresh ingredients, all this stuff, and then they had some like, you know, un- unsavory reports came out, but really the idea was, just because you need to have food that's quick, doesn't mean you have to eat trash. And so if you, you know, I'm not recommending you spend your life Googling Think Outside the Bun uh, commercials, but I spent a little bit of time this week looking at Think Outside the Bun, and it's just like really, looks like you're getting a Chipotle wrap, is what they're advertising, like fresh ingredients, and, 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 and good steak and all this stuff. They're really trying to make you think that you were going to eat healthy at Taco Bell. That didn't, it hasn't worked out quite as well in the long term for them. But it did challenge people to think that just because I need food fast doesn't mean I have to eat trash. Does that make sense? Who do you think that was... Who was this marketed to? Well, anybody could do it, but it was really targeted... To a younger generation that they thought maybe thinking they wanted to try something different. Now, the reason I bring this up is because the goal of what we want to do, talk about today with Church Outside the Bun, is not about becoming cutting edge in our church, but it's actually just something I think it's important for us to look at and hopefully understanding attention. And I'm going to, attention that I think is in Scripture and attention that is present right now in our church community. So I want to talk about that. This is really just an introduction to next month when Ben is going to be sharing with us. And Ben is going to be sharing. So I, need, I really need to ask you guys to pray for Ben. And there's also some things I'm doing to help get things ready. Thanks, dude, for bringing that up here. Leland, coming up here. Got the grace. got the grace pillow happening right here. Uh, ben is going to be sharing about giving. And about growing in that area, and specifically, both how that affects us as individuals and together as a church. But before we can do that and have that really, I think, make sense, let's go into God's Word and let's look about this thing about the way that we think about church. So, when we start out doing that, who can give me something pretty quick? I don't know if there's any Bible college students in the room. Um, who can we or anybody else? What is, the, uh, what is the meaning of the word church? We see this word church used. How what is that meaning? Do we have a small short definition of that? Gathering. It's Gathering. Body of believers. Body body of believers. Does anybody know where the Greek word that this word comes from? Ekklesia, that word, its root has this idea of the called out ones. So we are pretty strong about the church not just being some place that we go. But let me be very clear. If you biblically leave out assembly together, you don't have an understanding of what that word means. Because in one of its more pure forms, that word ekklesia means the called out ones or the called out assembly. So I would say I am a part of the church, but Brad by himself is not the church. Does that make sense? I am a son. I am not the church. I am not the body of Christ. So does that make sense? Okay? We're going to get into Hebrews chapter 11 in just a minute, but I want to walk through what is the way this this word church gets used. Let's see if we can just rapid fire real quick so we can just get some context here. How does that word church get used in, in the New Testament? What could it be describing? Could describe a local church. One of the most frequent things that happens is we'll see the beginning of a book or the beginning of a section of a letter, it will say to the church at Philippi, to the church at Ephesus, to the church at Corinth. So this is speaking to a church in a town or a city or sometimes even to a church in a region. Okay? How else does that word be used? Does anybody know? Universal, like... So, thank you. Jared, thank you for the help. Jared, here, when we're we're looking at uh, Ephesians specifically, um, and other places, but if you want to look at this, if you start looking at what Paul is teaching about the church, he will describe the church as being one body, right? And that is God's church. And that church is one body. And who's the head? Christ is the head. So it's not like the church of AD thirty or the church of two thousand twenty-three. There's one body. And we are part of the same body with all those who come before us and those who come after us. The idea of God's church everywhere. Old language, that's where the word Catholic came. Before Catholic was a denomination, that word Catholic just meant to be universal church, to the broad meaning of that word church. But if you look at Philemon, you look at other places, there's also these places where the idea of it's to the church that meets at Luke's house or the church that meets at Katie's house. And so somehow the same word that gets used to describe the big Catholic, universal, everywhere that God's people are church is the same word that's used to describe a church that meets at Luke's house. And so... If we go through and we start thinking about it, the way that word gets used is broad enough that if we're not careful, we will allow a cultural understanding of that word to define the way we think about it more than what God's word actually says. Does that make sense? And that can be dangerous because we can end up maybe having a good understanding, but a limited understanding of it in a way that doesn't fully allow us to understand our part in it, okay? So the last couple weeks here on Sunday mornings, a small group that meets here, we've been praying through this, and so I'm just going to share a couple things with you again to kind of set the table for this. So Hebrews 11, um, this passage is great. We're just going to read a few verses toward the end of this. We have so many heroes of the faith that are listed uh, through, throughout this passage. But I want to start actually in verse 32 where it says, And what sh- more shall I say for the time which failed me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jep- Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fires, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to fight enemy or the armies of aliens. Women received their dead raised again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they may obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, and yes, chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They wandered around in sheepskins, And goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy, they wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and in and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, they should not be made perfect or complete apart from us. So, I don't know about you, but that's not a very good marketing campaign for for church, right? Saw in two but think about what's happening in this time that, that um, the book of Hebrews is getting written does anybody remember the audience that is hearing this book it's to Hebrews Christians who've been scattered during persecution so this is around the time that you know, the entertainment may be to go down to the Colosseum not for a big crusade but to watch Christians and lions face it off that's what's happening these days there's a real persecution that took place that caused the people of God to scatter and with it, the message of Jesus went. That's how we get to Antioch in Acts chapter 13. Is as they went, they were preaching the message of Jesus. Are you guys with me? So there's a tension that takes place sometimes in the way that we think about church today. Because I don't know about you, but if, if that's what we were advertising to have happened, hey, come, get ready to get sawn in two. I don't think that's a very good way for us to, to reach seekers. How many of you agree that would not be the... It's not seeker-friendly. But there's something about that that gets mentioned along with all these heroes. This is what was happening. And I'm just putting this out there to put out the range of normal, or at least what was happening in the body of Christ at that time. This was a very th- real thing. That before Constantine uh, came and established Christianity is this idea of, of, of Christendom, this idea that the church at the center of town with a big steeple on the, on the top of it, they were meeting in caves. They are meeting in houses. They are assembling at the temple and preaching messages about how Jesus was crucified by a religious system. Now turn over to Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at a word here. And we're not going to spend a lot of time thinking about this. But as you're turning, I want to kind of lay out these two ways that I think in AOX that we need to really be aware. We tend to have a high value for learning and growing and doing relationships, following Jesus together. And I would say we have a high value for what I would say life on life or just organic relational Um, experience of church and so for some people it's like man they just want to do that all the time and if they never walked into this building again they would be completely fine with that because for them the essence of the life of Jesus is found as they're following Jesus together with people is that church absolutely that is church and yet there's this other part of church that is more the thing that we do that is more collective I don't think you can find anything in scriptures that like lays out the idea of a 501c3. Okay? At the same time, we do know that churches were organized. Can you give any examples of how churches may have been organized in the New Testament? City. They're organized both by city or location? How? What other ways were they organized? I've got the pastor. Yep. We have different we have ideas that are organized around different leadership or different places of gift gifts. And being those seeing those gifts, there's a, there's a word in the New Testament that's really different than the way we use it today, and it's the word administrations. And that word about how things get administered is one way that speaks about things being organized. Okay? Any other ideas you got on on ways that the church was organized? One other way that I know, I'm just going to point this out, is we know what, in the, in the book of Acts, I want you to think about this. In the book of Acts chapter, uh, I think it's 11, when Agabus, the prophet, comes to Antioch, he's telling them that a famine is going to happen. I want you to think about this for a second. The prophet comes and says a famine is going to happen. Does anybody remember the response from the church that was at Antioch? They immediately organized and took up an offering to send back before the need came. There was a level of connectedness that required both the relationship and the fact there was somebody that was trustworthy they understood that had come to them, given a word, and then they sent that back to Jerusalem to be distributed. So it was organization, at least in these three ways. Organization by location, organization by leadership, and organization by distribution or by administration. Does that make sense? So all we're trying to say here, guys, is there's a life-on-life thing that takes place, and there's a church that takes place that's more organized. What I want us to do is, when we're thinking about church together, instead of thinking about AOX the organization, can we ask God, how do you want to organize our lives so you get the most glory from us? How do you want to organize the way that we are living lives and doing life together so that you receive glory from us? Let's read Acts chapter 2. We're just going to read from verse 42 to the end, just a few verses. This is at the end of Peter preaching at Pentecost. So we are jumping in to the end of one of the most epic days ever. Starts out in the prayer room with 120. A sound takes place. Peter preaches and 3,000 that day are added to the church. These next five or six verses that we're going to read now take place. What most scholars think happened over the next 18 months to two years. Starting in verse 42, and they continued steadfastly. Say, continued steadfastly. In the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and the breaking of bread and prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as if anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. I'm going to give you an assignment coming out of this. Okay, so I want you to get ready to... Either put it into your phone or write it down. We're going to look at that word, continued steadfastly. It's also the word in verse 46 that said, continuing daily. So here's one of the big things that I want us to recognize as we think about church, or for us, life outside the bun, right? So I don't think, if you're a part of AOX, you probably don't think that church only happens when we are gather together in this room. That's probably not your posture in life. And I think most of us say, hey, yeah, that's that's church too. But one of the things I'm recognizing that we need in this stage of our health and our development is for us to have an understanding that some of you who really, you maybe you've been around for a little bit, you have developed relationships, and for you, like you're really like, yeah, man, church is like, I got this group of people, we are rolling together, we're following Jesus together, it's really natural for us to help take care of each other and meet each other's needs. And I am so thankful and praise God for that. I have nothing but gratitude in my heart for that. But some of you are the same ones I remember that when you first came, you didn't know how to do that. There was a place where that felt maybe foreign to you, and like it was almost like awkward to learn that. And so, in the midst of that, I think one of the things that we can recognize, in the same way that understanding my identity as a child of God is so important, and also understanding that who I am as a part of the body of Christ is important, it would get really out of balance if I could only recognize one of those things at a time. This is Mike Weber. Oh, hey. Praise the Lord, Father Mike. <laughs> <Woo-woo-woo. Yeah. clears throat> oh wow, I messed I didn't finish the room. Mike Webber, can you stand up, sir? Mike is an individual. There's nobody else on the planet like Mike. And as much as I might want to be like Mike, there are certain things about him that I can never truly be because he's a unique representation of the character of God and the heart of God. But there's something about Mike that is just as much true as that is that he is also a Weber. And specifically, here a couple years ago, Mike became one with Sierra. Sierra, can you stand? So how many of you know Sierra is different than Mike? But yet Sierra is one with Mike. And now Sierra has become a Weber as well. And now there are offspring. Offspring, you please stand up. <laughs> They're, they're our offspring now, right? And so we see the fruit of their union in their children. And how many of you know those children have individual, but that doesn't stop them from being Weber? And we are children of God, uniquely loved, uniquely created, uniquely formed, but we belong to our Father. And, and if we went to the Weber house, how many Weber's would we find there right now? Four. But if we went there on Easter, how many Webers would we have found there? 19! Is it just the Webers when it's only Mike? Yeah, it's still the Webers' house if Mike's the only one there. Is it more Weber when there's four? Well, you could say that. But the Weber four can welcome more Webers into that household. But I would present to you that it's the Weber family whether there's four or 19. Does that make sense to you? And if they go to a big Weber family reunion, we got thousands. We got Weber's on Weber's on Weber's. Are they still all Weber's? Yes. And you might even have some Weber's that married somebody else's. And now you got some Weber's and somebody else's, but they're still Weber's, right? You guys going just keep standing there for a minute. You guys look good. You make us look better. Idiot that's good. Alright, come back. We're gonna land the plane here in just a second. But on the day that I got to be at Dan and Steps, and I have the I have the privilege of pronouncing them man and wife, how many of you know that ever became a Weber that day? You guys know that? There's a certificate that says that. But they're not only married when we are at the wedding venue. And they're not only married. They're not only Webbers when we're at their house. Sierra, you're a wherever you go. And we are the representation of Jesus in the earth. Not instead of anybody else, but together with a larger family. Does that make sense? But when we are together, whether it's two or three, or whether it's twenty, or whether it's forty, or whether we are together with thousands. We are a representation of Jesus in the earth, and we were created not to see, well, it's just me and my my friends, and we're following Jesus together. This is really what it's all about. Or whether it's us in a building with a steeple. Like, church can't be defined to our expression. We have to understand it's a part of the essence of who He's made us to be. And when we look at this word in verse 42, it continues steadfastly. Are you ready to learn Greek? Are you ready? Some of you already shared this word. It's amazing. Prascatareo. Can you say that? Prascatareo. We, th- we think we can order that on the side of chorizo, right? Prascatareo. Outside the bun. Outside the bun. That's right. Come on, Luke, her. get it. Prascatareo means to continue. To continue with, to be faithful with. It's this idea of, like, whether Sierra is at the house or not does not define whether she is a Weber. And whether we are in this building or at your house church or not does not define whether we are church. Does that make sense? We are called to assemble. When we assemble, that's an expression of the church. But we be church. This is a part of who we are. And the way that we live that out when we're working it out, we're working out our salvation. Not just mine. We're working it out together. I was telling the story. Is Nate still in here? I was telling the story when Nate, who was the first little one running around the wax. I mean little little. I mean Abby was little, but he was little little. We prayed for messy diapers thinking about making disciples. And God sent us Jerome and Nate. And there was messy diapers. Now, I was sharing this a few weeks ago with that small group. Gabe and Jerome were living together. And when it would be time for us to get together? We just bought this jewelry. Nate was like two. He'd come run up to the door knocking knock it on the door. And whether sometimes it was Gabe, sometimes it was Jesse. I got it a couple times. But he'd walk in the door. He'd be like, Jesus? Jesus? Why? Because you can go see Jesus. And Jesus was this representation of these people that he associated with Jesus. May that be our testimony. Wow. When people see us, yeah, they, get to know, they get to know Katie, they get to know Hannah, they get to know Monica. But they see Jesus. And that's not going to happen because we figured out the magic formula to, to have the best service. Man, the last three or four monthly gatherings, I have just wet watching our kids worship. Robert's captured a few of those moments on, on camera, and it's just like, you would have thought we tried really hard to stage those images, but there's one of Leland praying for Michael, and it's just like melts my heart. And we are praying. Loretta and I met this month. We're praying. We were trying to pull together a meeting for some people working with kids last week, and I just couldn't get it done. But I'm telling you, it's not about us figuring out the magic formula for when to do announcements and how long the message should be and, and, and what we're doing with Like We need to continue steadfastly. Are you ready for your assignment? Are you ready? You're not going to remember it, so you got to find some way to capture the assignment. Are you ready? Here's the assignment. Look at Acts chapter 2, 40 through 47. And go and look at the things that are listed there. Part of what we talk about as a church, and maybe we don't talk about it enough, is we talk about the three aspects of the way that we live. So, Pam Arlen taught us the song, Divine Truth, Nurturing Relationship, Apostolic Mission. Divine Truth talks about a relationship that's upward, it's vertical. The way that we relate with God. Right? Nurturing relationship, the inward relationship, the way that we relate with each other. Apostolic mission, the outward. Look at verse 40 through 47 and begin to look. What are the things that they are doing that are inward? What are the things they are doing that are outward? What are the things they are doing that are upward? There's action verbs in there. And you'll find both times this word casca-tareo is used. They weren't just continuing doing nothing. There were specific things they were giving themselves to that was not limited to a church meeting. These were the daily components. When they went to the temple, remember, that was not their sanctuary. That was the place responsible for the crucifixion of Jesus. But still, they went there daily to prayer, or to pray. So... Look and see what they have given themselves to. Because when we come back together and we think about this idea of what it means for us to ask God to change the way we think about what we're, the way that we're giving and the way that we're handling our money, if we don't have an understanding of who we are as a church and what the purpose of church is, we'll never be able to get God's perspective on giving. Does that make sense? So, whether it's in our, our, our lives, kind of like we talked about Matthew 18, Jesus in the midst of two or three of us, whether it's in the, the place of a simple church, whether it's in our church together, or even the way we relate to the body of Christ in a broader sense. Those three areas of inward, outward, upward should be present. Does that make sense? All right, last thing, encouragement. Encouragement, and then we'll go. About a month and a half ago, Robert Stapp was really sick. Praise the Lord. There was a crazy turnaround and breakthrough I mean, that was amazing. But at the time of the story that I're going tell you, they didn't know what was happening with, with Robert's staff. They didn't know what was happening. His health was deteriorating uh, rapidly, and he was in Erie going through um, tons of neurological exams. And it, it was pretty scary. So I was so proud of Robert because Robert reached out to some friends. They've been praying for him, but he reached out to some friends to ask for prayer or to ask for help uh, with some things that needed done at his parents' property. And Katie, were you the one that started it? So I had one night my phone was on the charger, and so I missed all these messages happening in real time. But Robert texted a group of friends. Katie removed Robert from that thing and just messaged everybody. And the message that she sent to everybody was, "Hey, Robert's driving back and forth." Uh, taking care of the animals and all that stuff Let's help buy them some gas Let's chip in To see if we can get some gas money for them And there's a place in the scriptures That's saying that, uh, There's a place in scriptures that say That God loves a cheerful giver And what I want to tell you is both This was This was the definition of church outside the mind This was really church there was not a dime that passed through the AOX official bank account. Do you understand what I'm saying? But these were friends and followers of Jesus rallying together around a brother to say, hey, let's conspire to give him a bunch of money. Let's try to get some money to him. Let's let's do more than give him a tank of gas. And the next thing I know, people are like, I mean, it's all in texting, but it's like one of the craziest exchanges I've ever read like eighty text messages later, people LOLing, literally being hilarious. Givers, cheerful givers. Guys, is that church? Yes. But is it church when we come together and Michael and Hannah and Micah and Lish have invited us to sew into them as they're going to Bear Creek? Is it? Is it also church if you don't know them that well to still contribute to that thing? Yes. And one is not more than the other. Hmm. Come on. And if we only... Listen. Please don't get offended. Can you guys stand up one more time? <laughs> How many of you love these people? Raise your hand. These are very lovely people. If they were to have a need, like maybe they were to have some babies. <laughs> At once. Babies on babies on babies, right? I'll do it once. If they would have some babies, I bet we could twist people's arms to help them have a meal. Sit down. But there may be somebody in the room that you don't know who has a need. And I'm telling you, it is beautiful to be able to like just do this because you love Mike and Sierra. And like, I would do that whether it was a part of the church or not. But listen, if we don't understand that we are together as a part of a church that we won't be able to understand when somebody else who maybe doesn't feel as connected doesn't have that same access. Does that make sense? So let's pray, and then we'll eat. Can you ask God this month to be speaking to us that like we would really have a deeper level of what it means to be a church, as we look at those verses in Acts and, and mine out, what were they continuing to give themselves to? In the way they saw guys, It wasn't just a once a week meeting. It was a lifestyle. Right? God, I pray pray that you take what we've talked about in these minutes this morning. God, I pray that you would apply it to our hearts. I pray that you would strengthen every person who is a part of our church family. And God, we want to get healthy and strong. Because there are people all around us that do not know you. There are people all around us. There are people that are a part of us that are working through broken hearts. God, and and we need to be healthy and strong so that we can see your strength pass through this expression of your body so that each joint supplies the needs of the other. Jesus, it would be so much easier just to figure out how to manage our own lives in theory. But you are worthy. And if you say that you are the head of a, a body, God, it's our desire that we would get to be a body. That is as healthy and strong as it can be. Prepare our hearts as Ben gets ready to talk about mammon and talk about money and the way that we think about money. God, prepare our hearts. Make our hearts tender to what you have to say about these people and what you have to say to us. Now, God, bless us as we're here to have a meal together. Thank you so much. We love and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.